And we're back on the hunt with Supernatural Season 5, Episode 14, My Bloody Valentine. I'm Chris Barrows. And my name's Dan Cummins. Welcome back to the best Supernatural podcast on the air. Chris, it is not quite Valentine's Day. In fact, we are entering uh, summer ourselves pretty soon. Uh, however, today is Sam uh, Winchester's birthday. So should we give a quick shout out to Sam Winchester? It's May 2nd, Chris. Happy birthday to Sam Winchester. He turns 40 if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's not quite Valentine's Day, but we do love Sam Winchester. Um, we do also love Supernatural, Chris. So while this isn't, you know, sometimes we get lucky, right? We we saw a Christmas episode. It was around Christmas time, I believe. You know, the Halloween episode we've covered. Now we get a Valentine's Day episode, kind of, right? They, they split this one in half, Chris. It's kind of strange in that way, but it's a really well-reviewed uh, episode. It's got an 8.8 .8 on IMDb. So... I, I I think it's a good episode, Chris. I'm not quite sure where it lands for me, honestly, just at the top here. It's yes, it's a good episode critically, but do I do I kind of vibe with what's going on? I'm not sure. The pace is kind of spotty a, for me. You're you're kind of spot on where I am. It's a weird pace, this episode. It yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has as good of a flow as some of the other episodes. And we've talked about fillers this season that honestly have been phenomenal you know so and those have had really great flow to them so yeah uh, i think it's a strong episode don't get me wrong i just i i'm kind of with you on that i mean this episode uh, aired on feb february 11th 2010 so just before valentine's day when it actually aired mm -hmm. and in this one we're dealing dealing with a monster that's a cherub or a cupid which is interesting and we do like to get into the monster lore here and I think that's one reason I do like this episode, certainly to some extent, because we get to deal into Cupid, which is known to the Greeks as Eros, the god of love. Supernatural lore is different. It is uh, it is an angel. It's a third class angel known as Cupids. There was apparently dozens of them stationed in heaven, and they were responsible for locating humans deemed important enough by having to make them fall in love. Now, this is important. That included John Winchester and Mary Campbell. They were destined to love each other. So when we talk about, you know, importance, that's an important plot point. So, and that's kind of a theme of this episode, quite frankly, you can't really skip this episode. Should you rewatch it up front? I could say, yeah, because story-wise, it's kind of critical, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And, you know, Part of the episode, Chris, is dealing with Cupid or this cherub, right? Um, but I do think that introducing him really was to make that point, right? Because in the background, we see Dean kind of struggling to find his place in this apocalypse, really, right? The angels want Dean to play ball, and the demons, you know, Lucifer is pretty dead set on getting Sam. So Dean is finding himself kind of stuck. He doesn't love the idea of destiny, and this piece of information here that john and mary were meant to meet because the angels ordered it it doesn't sit well with dean so i have to think that really the point of this cupid was to to sort of relay that information to the boys but i think they make it work on some levels right it's a little hard to understand why famine and cupid share an episode they do a lot of talking uh, within the dialogue, Chris, between Cass and the boys as to why exactly these two things make sense. It felt a little clunky to me is, is what I'm getting at here. But 
nonetheless, I think it's really cool that they brought in Cupid. Um, as you said, in modern lore, everyone just kind of thinks of the baby in diapers, right? With with the bow and arrow. Apparently, he was created by the Greeks as a god, but now we're twisting that and we're making him an angel. And he's got some interesting powers, Chris. He has all the ones that you hate, right? The same kind of powers that every single monster has. They're super durable, right? And vulnerable to some extent. Super strength, teleportation, right? All of the normal ones. But the matchmaking really is the power that we kind of think of when it comes to Cupid. But this ability can manifest through the manipulation of events, right? So we talk about John and Mary. They hated each other at first, apparently. And through certain manipulation of events, they come to actually enjoy each other. Um, That takes a lot of work from Cupid or the cherubs, right? Um, But also you think about like the Cupid's arrow. He doesn't actually use the arrow. I thought this was neat. He can actually just do it with a touch, um, which is quite powerful. We've seen that in other monsters, Chris, a couple uh, actually so far. Um, But yeah, apparently when Cupid does his work, the hearts of the people that are being paired up will be then sort of scarred with an Enochian symbol, right? And that kind of starts the journey for us in this episode. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that whole kind of lore piece, but you're right. It is shoehorned in a sense because we're also dealing with famine in this episode. And I wish famine got more time to shine because famine, I thought, was phenomenal in terms of a character. Yeah, And, and, and arguably nearly as frightening as death himself in my opinion, at times. I think he's played brilliantly. He doesn't get the time to shine in his own episode, truly. And that's a missed opportunity. I get that they make the connection, but that's the missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned, is that I think an episode that's solely devoted to famine, I just, it would have been great. And I I look at this performance, and you got to say, famine is frightening. I mean, he really has control of this situation and the boys are in trouble constantly in this episode. Like you don't, you're what left wondering, how are they going to win this? And that's the best part of it for me. So the Cupid stuff is there. Great. And I'm not throwing it out. You know, I, I get that, but I'm excited about the famine part of this because famine essentially shows up and Holy cow, you know, when it comes down to it, we get a concept here, but I like, which is that, People starve themselves for a lot of things, sex, attention, drugs, love. And there's the Cupid connection, the love piece, right? So the idea that starvation isn't just food, that expanded. I kind of wish Famine was a two-episode villain, to be honest, because I think there was so much to that topic and to, to what they delivered. And it's just not how that works out, unfortunately. So that that's my disappointment, which is I just want more Famine unfortunately i'm with you yeah and and we saw war already right and war had an entire episode and i really actually enjoyed that episode um so the fact that he has to share it with with cupid again they make contextual sense out of it chris but cupid was very sort of aloof and there was a humor aspect to that right famine was not funny at all he was disgusting actually like anytime he was on screen what he does to humans is that he like you said they start to crave things. Famine, you think of, of hunger, right? And they do a good job of explaining that when he's around, you become very hungry to the point of stuffing yourself, right? For whatever it is, sex, booze, food, all that good stuff. And for Sam, Chris, it's the demon blood. Now you say 
he deserves an entire episode famine, right? I agree with you. I think Sam and the demon blood was the strongest sort of uh, subplot point in this episode. It was really, I don't want to say like great to see Sam crave this stuff again, Chris, but like it was so compelling. Any, any, any moment that Sam was on screen in this episode craving the demon blood, I really was hooked, man. Because we saw what happened. They had to put him in that chamber. We talked about this. That was my favorite episode when they had to stick Sam in the detox chamber at Bobby's house, right? And like that really took a toll on both Sam and Dean. So for me, if I'm reproducing this episode, I'm taking the Cupid stuff out and I'm leaning on that Sam storyline in this one because really that is like, it's the emotion of the episode, Chris, but also it plays an important part in the conclusion of this episode. We'll get there. But I just wanted to, to put that at the top. Sam in this episode really was critical. And it plays into Dean's whole attitude towards the end as well. Well, the, the other article is you've got two very different people. You've got someone who's craving demon blood. But you've also got Dean who's essentially dead inside according to Famine. He can't yeah. affect him because Dean is just literally dead inside. And we're going to deal with soulless Sam, right? But dead inside to the point that Famine doesn't can you know impact you i mean that just shows you how low dean is and so this episode has so much brilliance it's just again i go back to the flow is not there that this episode really is very good but it there's bits and pieces i would take out and that moment of dean essentially being dead inside and, and famine almost being like i can't impact you i, I love that aspect and then ultimately Sam saving the day, but in, was it too much, you know, and we, we go back and we're forcing Dean and Bobby to make a decision about Sam again. And arguably I can tell you because I've seen enough of these episodes and I remember any episode that Sam is locked up in that room mm -hmm. somehow is an incredible episode like that room and Jared Padalecki just equals incredible scenes. So, you know, I'm always excited when we get to that point because it's isolation where we get these wonderful, they're not really wonderful, they're not great moments, but from an acting perspective, I feel like really phenomenal moments take place in that isolated room. So um, anything that sets that up, I kind of do get excited about, to your point, like, yeah. no, we don't want Sam back on the demon blood, but it's but. <laughs> But you also know how powerful he is with it. I will yeah. get into a debate one day, which is more powerful. And we'll have to wait for, I think, season six for that. A soul of Sam or a blood, you know, demon blood filled Sam. Mm. Not sure it's demon blood filled Sam, quite frankly, just to tease kind of where I go with that debate. But uh, it's, it is, you're right, fascinating kind of story of it's not a yin and a yang. You've got complete opposites in this one. They are not on the same um, mindset with each other and Dean literally dead inside. Whoo, that's something. It's something. And yeah, Chris, maybe we could break that down further because as you know, my biggest pet peeve with sort of the, the supernatural community is the notion that Dean hates himself. He's always hated himself and that he has this really low self-esteem, right? I, that's like the biggest, I think misconception on Dean Winchester. I think what famine was saying when he sort of touched his his chest, right? And he says, well, you don't crave anything. That's very strange. There's something broken in you, right? That's the word he uses, broken. I think it's very easy to make the assumption based on that dialogue that Dean has very low self-worth and therefore he doesn't crave booze or sex or food, right? Because a lot of people that are like clinically depressed, they get 
it's very hard for them to get excited about anything, right? I don't think that's what Famine was getting at, and I don't think that's what the writers or Mike Roll, the director, was getting at. I think that Dean's time in hell is what broke him. I think that he's not running off of hope anymore, right? He's he's not running off of emotion anymore. Dean is tired. He's he's tired of being a hunter, and quite frankly, it's a pure stubbornness that drives Dean to do what he does. He knows that the angels are more powerful and he knows that Lucifer is more powerful. He knows that Sam will probably say yes to the devil himself. Right. But Dean is broken. He, his time in hell absolutely destroyed any kind of personal desires that he might've had. And I think a lot of people again will say, well, Dean, sort of hates himself and that's why he doesn't have these emotions or like these desires or like a, an ambition anymore. Right. But I'm going to counter and say that Dean quite literally lacks humanity at this point because torturing souls in hell, what was that? 30 years that Dean said, Chris, he was, he felt like he was down there for 30 years, torturing hell, um, torturing souls in hell rather. I mean, th that will absolutely destroy any kind of humanity that you have in yourself. And so that, that was my take on it, Chris. And I had to rewatch that whole dialogue with famine to say, well, hold on. Why, why isn't Dean affected again? And I had to break down the dialogue there. I do think really it is that Dean does not have sort of the, the, the things that make you human in him anymore. I'm not going to say he's soulless, Chris, because we're actually going to deal with a soulless Sam next season, right? But it's it's as close as you can get to being soulless, but still having a soul. And that's my take on it. I don't think it's a lack of self-esteem or anything like that. No, I think he just, he, he he's at a point where he's broken. And I think he, when you're broken so much, you can desire nothing. I, I, I agree with you that I think that's a fair assessment because many would probably argue it doesn't Dean crave women, doesn't Dean crave this, right? Well, right. Right now, no. Right now, he's just like, whatever. I, I, what's the point? And if you think what's the point, you will crave nothing. So it, it's a really, I think, interesting, you know, we're having essentially a philosophical discussion here. Yeah. And it's because you can debate this. And I think Supernatural does that better than people give it credit. Um, but yeah, so really, the great part in this is Sam bursts in and essentially stops stops famine be not individually but he essentially consumes all of the demons and he can't exercise famine so he exercises the demons that he's eaten which actually kills famine right. it breaks him from within essentially but he has he's drank the blood he's powerful i mean he's now set it up that yeah famine's gone they've got the ring but at a cost and is it a loss of Sam? Once again, you question, are you back? You know, we, Sam's an addict at the, at, in that way. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we know what his desire is, his desire was demon blood. We know what he was missing. Well, it ends in that really heartbreaking way of essentially Dean and Cass locking Sam up back in the panic room. So there we are and Dean begging for help at this point. What do I need to do this? I, I can't do this anymore. And we're setting up some really iconic episodes with this episode. And that gives it some points, but I go back to it, Dan, as at the top, it's kind of uneven it, it, at times, but really, as we talk through this, I do enjoy this episode. Just wish it kind of flowed better than it does. And Cupid, fine. 
like interesting lore. I wish it got its own episode around that lore and they did something different would have made for a good monster of a week. This is not a monster week episode. This is a lore episode. This is part of the story in a big way. Yeah. And it makes you think, Chris, like if if the Valentine's Day episode had stayed about Cupid, right, which I, I liked that concept. It feels like both of both of us agree that that was a cool concept. They could have made a whole episode out of that. Right. And Famine could have gotten his own episode as well. We go back to the question, what's the better season, season four or season five? I'm sure, Chris, that we could find an episode that we've watched already in season five that we could cut and put the Cupid episode in or the famine episode in for that matter. Right. Yep. To, to pair these two together, I think, was a disservice to each of them. But again, Mike Roll, 8.8. Good job, dude. I mean, you, you did the damn thing. And by the way, Chris, this is Mike Roll's only episode in the whole season. Um, yeah. Pretty impressive. They brought him in to do one. And, you know, uh, the critics would say he knocked it out of the park. So we can't complain that much, right? The critics probably know more than us, Chris. Um, but, yeah, you know, that that last scene, I wanted to touch on that as well because you mentioned it. Cass is sitting outside of the panic room, right? We don't actually get Bobby in this episode, but we know it's Bobby's house, right? So that's why we we mentioned that we're, we're at his panic room. But right. Cass looks at Dean and he says, look, man, like, that's not your brother in there. You know, not really. Like, Sam has to get it out of the system and Dean chokes up. He's like, I'll be right back. Got to get some air. Right. And he goes outside and he doesn't, he doesn't pray in the conventional sense, Chris, like he doesn't get on his knees and, you know, like you would do at a church, you know, at a pew or anything like that. But he looks up like very kind of with a weary expression on his face. And I have to imagine he's addressing God himself, Chris, because we know he doesn't trust the angels except for Cass. So he kind of looks up, as if to say, God, like, please, man, <laughs> I, I need uh, something here, right? Because Dean is in a losing situation. This famine guy just doubled down on that. Dean has been exposed. So, you know, the fact that he also has to hear that he's broken, Dean knows he's broken, right? But to have like uh, someone like famine confirm that for him, Dean's in a bad spot. And so leaving that episode, his brother is back in the panic room. Not a great situation, Right. Cass isn't as vulnerable maybe as he would hope because we have to remember that Cass was also under the spell of famine so if your best ally is is not even going to beat one of the weaker horsemen Chris I mean Dean really needs some help and like he is absolutely devastated by the end of this episode it really leaves us in kind of a bad spot uh, especially an episode about Valentine's Day right I mean it's and for it's that not reason it's not a very good Valentine's Day episode exactly no so, you know, if you're looking to watch something with a loved one, don't watch this on Valentine's Day. Agreed. Uh, there's better episodes of Supernatural for that. Go back to a very supernatural Christmas if you need to. That's still that's still a better, better experience like that. But look, we got some fun things in this episode, Dan. I want to make a mention. I want to note that um, James uh, Otis in this one's his costume is the same as as the X-Files season eight, episode 19 alone. Now season eight and season nine of the X-Files fall into this weird area where most X-Files fans are like, eh, that's fine. Um, hmm. But I had no memory of this. So it was kind of cool. And I want to go back and watch it. Um, I have that whole set. So I, I do want to note that uh, that's, that's cool. Um, and I, I, I will appreciate that episode more probably. Strangely enough, it's also a season where ultimately uh on the X-Files, you're sometimes not having Scully and sometimes not having Mulder. So mm. it's weird. Season eight and season nine. Yeah. Um, that also said the title of the episodes, a uh, movie 
nod to uh, a Jensen film in 2009. So we got some more meta happening here. Uh, interestingly enough, by the way, this also denotes that Misha is vegan. So the raw meat that Castiel uh, was was eating was a concoction of soy, ketchup, and tomato sauce. So doesn't sound good. That um, sounds gross. That sounds it absolutely sounds gross. gross. If I were Misha, I might have just indulged in the meat there, right? Um, and last one here, Chris. When Sam and Dean opened the briefcase, the soul glows. Pretty obviously a reference to Pulp Fiction 1994. I mean, a great Quentin Tarantino film. film. Fantastic, Fantastic film. Fantastic Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, uh, really good. But yeah, I mean, My Bloody Valentine, I, I feel like it's a solid episode that is a missed opportunity. Yeah. But not in the, you know, not in the bugs type of way. By any means, it's 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 just a, it just could have been cleaner as far as we're concerned. Yeah, but that's OK. It's a good episode. It's a solid episode. I'd say rewatch it um, just for the just for the lore piece alone. And ultimately, famine is phenomenal. So I think watching for famine's performance is worth it. Uh, what do you think, though, Dan? We've got uh, we got another episode on the way next week, and that's going to be dead men don't wear plaid well i guess it's a very appropriate title for for this show to say the least it is they do a great job at, at naming these and and yeah if you don't recall this one by the name this is where people in bobby's town are coming back from the dead we're dealing with zombies chris which is like if you had told me when the show was airing hey zombies are going to be one of the monsters i probably would have been like mm, i don't know maybe stay away from that one right it's kind of hard to do that right at least on television unless you're the walking dead at the time, which was the, you know, sort of the premier uh, zombie show, but nonetheless, Bobby insists nothing is wrong because one of the zombies has a personal connection to Bobby. It's, it's a kind of a heartbreaking episode, Chris. So, you know, we, we move from a uh, funny Cupid to a sad Dean to a sad Bobby. So, you know, that's just kind of the way we're writing. So next week, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring my, uh, my tissue box. It's going to be a hard one. Yeah. This one's a tough one, but, um, we won't we won't be crying if you take the time to subscribe. Um, say hi to us on Reddit. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to hit the subscribe button because you'll get the episodes as soon as they drop, which is usually nine or five on any given Tuesday. Sometime between those hours, you're going to get it uh, consistently. Um, but every Tuesday, we're dropping these episodes and we're going to keep chugging along. We are officially, you know, at the essentially the halfway mark here for this this season we're pushing through i think the mid we're a little past because the mid-season mid-series finale was a few episodes back but we're we're that means we're almost to the end yeah. of season five not the end the end is season 15 but that said dan i think that's it for this week but we will be back because after all we've got work to do